Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hey, hey. Well, today we have some fun in store because our guest today, Esteban Gast, is a comedian as well as a creativity scholar. And he, in this chat, really brought a nice fusion of both comedy, some some jokes going back and forth, as well as some real insight into the, the nature of creativity in this interview. And I know that I walked away with some great principles and specific tactics I could use for generating more creative ideas. And I think that you will too. Specifically, I think you're going to walk away with one, the number one factor that produces more creative ideas. Two, how to take control of your emotional state or mood in order to get a fresh perspective and more ideas. And three, how to use specific tools such as the lotus blossom or root cause analysis to channel your focus into different uh, distinctive directions. So the scoop here is Esteban Gast is a comedian, teacher, and entrepreneur living in Chicago, Illinois. He teaches creativity at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, where he co-authored two books on creativity and is currently developing an online class on creativity. He travels around as a stand-up comedian has been a speaker at TEDx. He speaks at colleges and high schools and makes short films. So all sorts of creative goodness. He started two small social businesses and was co-director of the iVenture Accelerator, a startup accelerator that was just awarded the Ashoka U. Cordes Innovation Award. So if you want to check out the transcript and show notes and links to the things mentioned here, you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F8. And here's Esteban. All right. And we're here now. Esteban, thanks so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Oh yes. Well, I'm sure you've got a lot of fun nuggets and, and please don't hold back with the the comedy. Feel free to razz me here and there as, as things unfold <laughs> and nothing is off the limits. Well, and if it is, we'll edit it out. So it's all good. You just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The power of editing. They're going to be like, he was so nice to you. And I'm like, what? No. I think Pete is amazing. (laughs) So you've got some really cool credentials associated with creativity, uh, co-authoring those two books and doing some some teaching, instructing, educating the youth at the University of Illinois, ILL. I-N-I. Boom. That's right. That's how we do. And, and so that's really fun. So beyond your professional credentials, can you tell us a little bit, you know, what do you do for, for kicks and for fun uh, beyond the day in, day out? Well, what's, what's been really exciting is that beyond the day in, day out of, of these jobs uh, I'm super lucky to have and, and, and really enjoy is I perform. So I perform stand-up comedy and that's slowly become more and more of a real job, which is kind of insane, which is kind of something crazy that I'm still wrapping my head around. So right now, I'm currently in the middle of Pennsylvania, comedy capital of the world, obviously. Where do you go when you want to make it? Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. That's where I am. Phoenixville. Phoenixville. Uh huh. Absolutely. I don't know where which came first. If Phoenix was like, you know what? Let's cut off the Ville. Let's keep it easy. Or if they shout out to Phoenix. But I'm here performing on a three week tour, which is crazy. And what's been really exciting is to see that blossom into an actual like revenue stream, something that can actually start paying some sort of bills. They're small bills, but some some of the bills, like a small Comcast bill or something like that. It can start paying some of those, which is exciting. The Comcast bill is too high, so that's kind of substantial. So it sounds like you're pursuing a number of creative endeavors all at once, and that's that's cool. So you teach about creativity, I guess not so much so from a theoretical point of view, from a practical lived point of view, where yes. you're bringing home some of the bacon uh, via comedy and creative stuff. And so that's that kind of gets me curious about the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is that I think when it comes to creativity, folks get a little bit sort of nervous. 
They're like, we need ideas from you. And they need to be good, and they need to be lots of them, and they need to be now. There's a little bit of kind of a performance element or anxiety dimension to that. Is that something that, that you teach about, or, or, that, or how do you handle that yourself individually? Great question. So at the beginning of the course, honestly, the biggest thing that we face as instructors of creativity, right, and it's becoming this more and more academic discipline, there's creativity studies now at at different universities. And it's good, it's catching up to what the business world wants. In recent surveys, I mean, it's it's kind of unanimous that that all these CEOs and managers, they look for creativity. And they say that's one that's one of the highest skills often on top of the list, the number one skill that they look for. So people realize it's important and then they come in and they take their class and everyone is nervous. I mean, truly, maybe there's a few kids who are in advertising, you know, or think, oh, I'm, I'm creative, but they still are like, oh no, am I actually creative? It's this very visceral reaction that unfortunately there's been this narrative that you're either creative or you're not. So what we point out, and this is kind of the first thing, the first few weeks is we show the creativity research and the research shows that creativity is a skill that can be enhanced. So you can actually become more creative. So it's a malleable skill. I mean, it's like throwing a football or learning the piano. Some people maybe are innately better at it. You know, some pick it up faster and that could be even your upbringing, right? Had you make up stories when you were younger so you understand that you can come up with stories quicker, something like that. But no matter what, everyone can get better at it. So what we do is we break it down. I teach in the College of Engineering, which is a great place for a creativity course. So in the College of Engineering, we have to give engineers, right, that they like systems, they like facts, they don't like things like creativity creativity is inside your heart. That is not something one can say to an engineer. It's not inside my heart? (laughs) I hate to tell it to you. Uh, So what we do is we develop these frameworks. So we say, absolutely, if someone wants an idea, if you follow these steps, right, these different frameworks for for brainstorming, these different models, you're going to come up with a better idea. So if you understand the neuroscience of creativity and how, for example, if I say, hey, Pete, let's design a new car, you immediately think, I'm in. <laughs> you immediately, you're in, but you probably think of your car or something, you know, or like a generic car or commercial or something like that. And then where, you know, we kind of stop and we say, all right, well, the neuroscience behind it is you need to go a different way. You need to, it's called a provocation, something that in your brain says, you know what, a car that, you know, is designed by nature. And all of a sudden you're looking. I'm provoked. (laughs) Yes, you are provoked and you are ready to design a car that uses, you know, principles from trees. Or or what if, you know, I, I think something interesting, and this actually came up in class, is students were only thinking of cars, you know, that were hybrids or electric. And then all of a sudden, one student using a provocation said, what if a car was not only bad for the environment, but was good for the environment? What if it ran on, you know, carbon emissions or stuff, greenhouse gases and turned them into clean stuff? And of course, this is the feasibility of that is is, uh, silly. But that thought was a very creative thought, kind of stepping back, you know, and, and using these frameworks and saying, what's an unrelated idea that you can push into it? Quantity leads to quality. So we say, if you look at a list, research again, if you and I are coming up with 10 car ideas, our first three ideas are going to be super similar. If we came up with like 100, those last 10 are going to be pretty random. So just because we've kind of gone through the filter of what we know, of what is common. So we're like, oh, a car, you know, what if it was a hybrid? What if it was self-driving? What if, you know, and we kind of go through these ideas that we know. And then we start getting into like the deep parts of our brain, which are scary but we got to go there. So creativity can be broken down this way that isn't, hey, 
just come up with inspiration, you know, go be creative now. If someone says that to you, first off, they don't really understand creativity. But secondly, you can definitely stop, breathe and kind of use these mental models or these frameworks and and kind of think through your understanding of how creativity actually works and, you know, and develop systems around that. And you can come up with better ideas, with objectively better ideas. I don't know if that answered your question completely, but I think we did we did come up with a few car ideas, which is good. So at the very least, we're going to design a car. And I can hear the, the voiceover actress and, and see the commercial right now. What if a car were more than just a car? You know, all that, all of those <laughs> commercials are fun. You know, so a force for good. So, so that's fun. So the performance is like, okay, you can take a breath. You can know that it is learnable. So it's not just something like, uh-oh, I, I don't have that, so I'm screwed. So these frameworks, that sounds juicy. Tell me, what are some of the most effective, efficient, high-yield, leveraged, optimal frameworks that really uh, make the goods shine? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, baby. Yeah. I have bad news for you, Pete. They are not as sexy as you think. I want acronyms. I want diagrams. <laughs> oh, we, we have we have both of those. Oh, but, good, good, good. But for example, here is the first one that is very, very important in creativity research around the world points to. Are you ready? You're you're gonna be you're gonna be disappointed. Spence. Okay, let's do All it. All right. It is time. So thinking it is the simplest thing. Thinking about something longer means more creative ideas. That is it. That is literally it. Thinking like so so time is one of the biggest principles. So there's all this thing where even, you know, if you have one hour to think of something and someone has two hours. So what we do in terms of, of our students, right? That's kind of unfair to be like just time and then dismiss class. And that seems like a maybe we're we're not offering our students the best education. So what we do is, is we say, brainstorm, your first 20 minutes are exciting. You're excited about your ideas. The next 20 minutes, you hit a dip. And this is what we've identified. So the next 20 minutes, people are grumpy. They don't want to come up with ideas. You know, they start kind of being silly and being like, you know what, whatever. What if we don't design a car? But then if they stick with it, those last third, 20 minutes, I'm sorry, so this is an hour. So first 20 minutes, exciting, fun. Second 20 minutes, a dip. Those last 30 minutes. Minutes are really, really exciting. And, and that is where your ideas come together. And another thing in terms of time is there's all this really fascinating creativity research about what they call the creative pause. So if you think about it, where do you come up with your best ideas? A lot of people say the shower or going for a walk. Hmm. And that's when you're subconscious, when you allow your subconscious and you, and you give it time to kind of create these links in your brain between all the things you're talking about. So often what I do, even in, in let's say, writing a joke or thinking of a movie is, is I have this idea, you know, and first off, I try to push past it. So I'm excited. And then uh, there's probably a dip. And then I continue thinking about it. I kind of push past that dip, that natural inclination to say, all right, I'm done, knowing that a lot of good ideas are after this dip. And then I'll go, you know, not think about it, go for a walk or just work on other things and, and then come back and, and really trust taking some time away. My subconscious has, you know, linked up and connected some really exciting thoughts. So that's another thing. Sudden creativity is, is your subconscious is smart, like really trusting that and, and knowing uh, that, yeah, you can think about something and knowing to step away could be one of the best things for creativity to step away and then come back to it and, and really push past maybe when, when you think is natural. Well, that's really a pretty great tip that didn't even occur to me. And I love it. So when I, I think that that could be game changing for, for many folks right there is because that is like you hit the, the dip. And it's like, I guess I'm done now. 
<laughs> you think that's it. You think that's all you got. But then there's there's more inside. It's, it's kind of inspiring. I'm almost seeing a Rocky montage sort of a thing right now. It's like, do, 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 you know, as folks is <laughs> like, oh, they're, they're, they're tired. They're exhausted. They got no more ideas. And yet... In the depths, you pull it out. It's pretty cool. And the montage is just them sitting in front of like a screen for 20 minutes. But if you add percussion musical score, it's it's cool. <laughs> that's true. Good point. And and that's why I mean it. It's interesting and 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 you know it it is comforting in those moments to say like wait a minute like researchers behind this. So sometimes they're disappointed when when I don't <laughs> when I don't say oh click your heels three times and say create and instead I say hey trust that you're doing the process stick with it you know stick with it far longer than you want longer than you feel like you need to also take breaks and come back to it trusting that you know even allowing that time in either intensive time focusing time or subconscious gathering time doing things you know that you enjoy or these creative pauses like showers and walks or these things and people usually walk away disappointed just yelling things about me and my family which which uh oh, that's so dramatic it it is it is <laughs> you shyster <laughs> you son of a gun time that's your piece you get paid to tell people to think about time. But the thing is, I buy it. Like, I think most things in life, it seems like there are no shortcuts or easy answers. Once we're like, Pete, how'd you lose 20 pounds? Like, well, you know what? I ate less food and I exercised more. Like, oh, I was hoping for a cool trick. That's it? Like, there's no secret sauce? And it's like, I guess no. Well, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, so, so more time, that's good. And so that kind of gets things flowing. Maybe before I step ahead are there any other key principles so no so we actually lay out all these kind of mental models and frameworks in this book it's super fun it's super visual i hope it it's i mean it's written by a team of three or four creativity instructors kind of the team i I work with so i would hope it is fairly creative and entertaining and engaging i would say our reputation depends on it and we'll put a link to that in the show notes here at awesomeatyourjob.com so totally we'll, we'll get that cruising and, and what are some of the gems, the, the high-value nuggets in there? So the subtitle of the book, it's called Building Your Creativity, and the subtitle is Tools for Having Ideas and Bringing Them to Be. And we try to give as many tangible tools as possible. Right. So we're dealing with engineers. They love systems. They love these frameworks. So what we lay out when you're brainstorming is strategies like Lotus Blossom, which kind of take a problem and separate into these smaller areas, and you brainstorm around the smaller areas. We talk a lot about, actually, even before you get to a problem, identifying the root of the problem. So we developed this thing called problem tree, where you kind of attach causes and the effects, and then these different kind of maps, yeah, where what people say, and what they actually think, what they actually do, and, and all these different kind of empathy challenges, right? So you take on these different personas, and you design something. But for the listener who, you know, obviously, I'm going to say the majority of you are going to buy this book. So I won't go into it. So something that I that I tell people also, so I guess another creativity kind of gem, so the time thing, is, is I think reflect on your own life and where you are creative or where these really good ideas come from, right? So, so even we talked about the creative pause. A lot of people say their best ideas come in the shower or when they're going for a walk or even they're driving for a long period of time. So identifying that and then building in more space for that, even in terms of I think it's valuable to get in a really good state before you start brainstorming. You know, so I think it's it's better. How do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I mean, everyone does it pers- differently, but I, I kind of do that, especially if I'm writing comedy. You know, I, I think I want to write comedy from like joy or from kind of kind of this view of like, oh, the world is silly rather than 
yeah, then maybe, I mean, there's some comics who write from pain, but that's, I guess, not necessarily my style. Yeah, so I think about that and I go, okay, well, how can, I mean, truly, these are serious questions, especially as this becomes more of a career, but it's like, how can I, before I start writing jokes or a script, get myself in as silly a mood as possible? <laughs> so I, uh, I do like characters and this is me in my room before I start writing a script and, and uh, yeah, so I do characters and I play silly music and I kind of get myself active. That's a, There's a really big link between moving your body and creativity. Even if you're sitting and coming up with ideas, I mean, yeah, tons, even if you stretch before a walk is really good, different things like that. So I get my body moving and I'm, you know, if I'm writing comedy, I mean, truly I move it in silly ways, you know, so I'm like jumping up and down. I'm not, you know, yoga focused and be like, I will now write jokes. I'm jumping up and down, kind of being silly. And it's funny that, yeah, it's it's easy, I think, in our lives to say, oh, yeah, well, I have the good ideas there, but that's kind of a coincidence, or or I'm not going to take that too seriously. And I think it, it really makes a difference when you say, wait a minute, you know, writing comedy, I, I write better later at night than in the morning. You know, I don't have to force myself to write at 9 a.m. I write better, yeah, when I kind of am sillier. I write better when I feel rested and when I don't feel pressure. A lot of times I apply, and, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a little bit about productivity. I think I am super deadline-oriented. I set deadlines for everything. You know, so, so I guess there is this interesting juxtaposition because I write when I am not stressed, but I also sometimes when I need to write, I say, you know, I sit down and I go, I don't, I'm not leaving this chair until I finish writing this. And often that means I am very hungry when I leave that chair or very tired. But uh, oh, you gotta go to the bathroom or the bathroom. I know. Well, I can't, Pete. That is something. If you want to, that's a kind of maybe the, the biggest creativity hack is just kind of hold it. <laughs> don't go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I think recognizing, truly saying, is this a moment where I'm going to work well under pressure? And yeah, so, so I think a lot of self-reflection. That's another thing that engineers are, we're kind of talking to them a little bit more about self-reflection. And actually, one of the biggest assignments in our class is journaling. So we have everyone, they are required to, which this is crazy for a popular class aimed at engineers. And it's open to everyone, but it's aimed at engineers. They're required to journal a few times a week to kind of think about those questions and also to be get in the habit of writing down ideas there's this book called idea machine and the premise of the book is if you write 10 ideas a day you're going to come up with better ideas and you're going to like look around you and see the whole world as you know bursting with ideas and like 10 ideas about anything yes so the, absolutely so they just say write 10 ideas about anything every day and that's the whole premise of this best-selling book, which again is interesting and, and, and it's certainly true. But a lot of it is intuitive. A lot of it we can just think about how do I work my best? When am I at my most creative? And kind of shape our life around that or, or build systems to reinforce that more. Well, you know, I like that a lot. You talk about building the systems. And, and I recall in Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, I never, never know if I'm saying his name right, his book uh, about creativity. Flow. He talks about, he's got, that's his main one. He's also got a book about creativity. He talks about maintaining uncommitted attention for novelty, which I think is a great turn of a phrase, and then protecting that and uses examples of Einstein wore the same thing every day deliberately so that he had a couple more minutes to do some some good thinking, some good creativity, and he wasn't kind of bogged down with handling stuff. So have, protecting some of that time. So that's cool. So in, in practice then, uh, what are some other things we can do to keep the juices flowing and to keep it protected? Unfortunately, the answer is different for many people, but I think I there's I have seen and believe in in both 
it works in my life, a lot of research on music in the background, right? And, and some of this isn't isn't for everyone. Also, I think recognizing that maybe maybe this is the, the bigger message. So recognizing that, that creativity is this free-flowing, you know, beautiful thing that you can kind of tap into. But at the same time, it's built around habits, right? So it's built around things that you just need to trust uh, and that you need to do every time. So yes, it is fun and silly that before I write down, before I sit down to write a script, I have these funny series of events, but I need to do that, you know, every time. And, and that even when I don't feel like it, even when I go, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and write the script. So I think realizing that creativity is a habit or making it a habit. So so it's creativity is this, is this fascinating juxtaposition of kind of like, it's a habit. You have to show up every day, you know, like get your butt in a chair every day, no matter what, you know, like, you know, that going for a walk before you go into work makes you better at work, you know, go for that walk. Also, this sort of time that's that's kind of free flowing and kind of loose and, and spills over. So I think maybe that maybe for people trying to build more creativity in their life is taking this two sided approach of saying, all right, well, this is a habit, you know, it is important to wake up and take a few deep breaths, or it is important, let's say to wake up five minutes early and journal. That's one of the best things you can do. There's a lot of research on kind of morning pages. That's an incredible way to start the day. That's an incredible way to get you, yeah, your brain going in the morning. Like, and, and those can be very freeing, right? Those are free flowing. You wake up, you write about what you want. You know, you can sit there a little bit longer if you want. Like, it's this beautiful free time. But at the same time, it, the foundation of that is a habit where you wake up every single day because morning pages work and they work best if it's every single day so you can't so it's this interesting thing where, where you're like oh this is you know my creativity habit it's you know I, I just wake up and i do this and i tap into who i am and then the other side is like but i have to do it every single day <laughs> or whatever you know five days a week so it's this interesting thing where you know i see myself constantly battling between building in spaces that are in my life that are loose and I can do what I want. You know, I can, it's a whiteboard in me and that's it. But then having those habits where I go to a whiteboard every single day at a certain time, you know, or, or give myself half an hour at the end of the day to just write down joke ideas. There's a great website. Actually, if we're talking about morning pages. There's a great website called 750words.com. It encourages you, you got an email every morning and it says, hey, write 750words.com. The beginning, you're excited and then you hit this dip and then at the end, of the 750 words that that number is very intentional you kind of get back into like oh my gosh wait a minute this makes sense you know there's some connections happening in my brain which is exciting interesting so you're saying 750 words is an intentional number that pushes you past the dip similar to an hour ish i don't know if that's exactly an hour or 48 minutes or or whatnot but 750 ish words or one hour ish of time thinking about stuff is sufficient to push past the the yucky dip time. Yes, absolutely. So the 750 words is, and, and often that doesn't take a full hour. I mean, I, I suppose it depends, but yeah, I would say that is an intentional period of time. I'm almost broke it down the way that we broke that hour that, you know, maybe your first 200, 250 words, you're excited. You're actually doing this. You're actually doing something for your creativity. The next 250 words, you hate it. You wish you never listened to this podcast. Why did someone give you this idea? And those last 250 words, you go, oh, wait a minute. You know, something good is happening here. You know, I, I allowed myself enough time in my subconscious and my brain. And that's set up in the same way that maybe the first 20 minutes you're excited. The next 20 is kind of a dip and the last 20 minutes. And this is also just, I'm not guaranteeing that <laughs> 40 minutes on the dot, you're going to look at your watch and be like, no, you're on the record. 
Don't try to backpedal now. And I've done 750 words and, and you know, not had, I don't know, a breakthrough or something like that. And I've also started and, and been excited and, and had really creative ideas that later, I mean, turned into literal businesses. Literally? That's a business. Literally. Uh, this is not only a business, it is a literal business. In addition to pushing past the threshold, you you'd mentioned three specific tips or, or strategies or frameworks in terms of getting to the root cause uh, the Lotus unpacking and some empathy stuff. Can you maybe work me through that? Let's say we're, we're tackling a problem or a question and we want to think about you know, why are my coworkers so unmotivated? I don't know. We'll just say, let's say that's our problem. If I'm going to go after that with your, your root cause toolkit, what am I going to do from there? Yes, absolutely. So I would say, first off, that's a, a really, really great problem. No, it's terrible. It's very demotivating. <laughs> it's a great problem to tackle. <laughs> It's a great problem. All of us should have unmotivated coworkers. No, it's a great problem to tackle because it is one, it's something that means a lot to you. And so that is an, an incredible question to ask because if you can kind of help, you know, shape that culture at work, you're going to be awesome at your job. I mean, that's a, that's a great question. So here's what we would do. So we would, let's do a problem tree. So we would sit there. Okay, so we, if you imagine a tree, there's the chunk of the tree and the branches, we are going to put what people do. Let's say the actions and what we see. So we see people, you know, uh, coming in late and leaving early. We see people on Facebook. We see people, you know, not, not really asking good questions or caring about their projects. We see people you know, very maybe even explicitly saying, oh, yeah, this is just a job. You know, I don't care. I'm, I'm just coming in, grabbing a paycheck, different things like that. Okay, so the branches, I see them at the surface level. They're just readily apparent. Yes. And then what we do is we try to come up with causes for each one. And then, and then this can get real complicated. So, yeah, so start. So people are checking Facebook. That means that they don't want to do their work. And that means that, I mean, Facebook is more compelling and interesting. You know, like maybe they miss their friends. Maybe they, you know, what are they, maybe they're checking the news, all these different things. So we try to start building these potential causes and we see which ones really come up. And we try to push past the first ones. That's a big, kind of like we've talked about in times, pushing past the first one. So let me use this example in class real fast and we can come back to, to, to your example. But we were talking about down at University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, the objectively greatest university ever, ranked by a poll done by me to me. There's Green Street and it's this really popular street and people were saying, okay, well, Green Street has too much traffic. What do we do? So they were saying what they saw. They saw, you know, people, you know, the the effects are a lot of people go there for bars and it's all where the restaurants are and it connects Champaign to Urbana, these two sister cities. And everyone, you know, has to go down these different streets and all these different things. And what the first solutions that they were creating were, what if, you know, Green Street, there was a bike lane or it was walkable or what if all these different things. And what they found out doing this is that Green Street is where all the restaurants are, you know, and it is this connecting street. So then the solution that they came up with was to make other streets that are also connecting streets or other streets near it better. So how to fix Green Street, you know, how to quote fix Green Street was to make other streets more attractive and more student friendly and different things like that, which is totally different because the first thing when you tell a student, hey, what would you do to fix Green Street? You know, they'd, oh, it's all pedestrian or or get rid of, you know, the chain restaurants like McDonald's and you know, like they are all these different things. Or less bars, bars close an hour early. Green Street gets too crazy and it's unsafe, like all these different things. So they kind of, yeah, have these, have these root things. So we look at that. So we see, you know, people are unmotivated and there's 
there's so many, <laughs> this is a complex issue, but I mean, truly, so let's say if everyone is on their computer and no one, everyone's on Facebook or something like that, even if it's something, what if people want, you know, they're alone in their desks and they want to feel just connected to something else, you know? So it's like, what if there was a work social media where people while they're working could post good articles that they're reading you're getting these benefits of of facebook but it is in this work setting or something like that right so so if we identify that people are on facebook way too much at work and we kind of try to dig into that why so we say hey you know why are you on facebook you know and, and we go past the i don't know nothing better to do you go you know i was watching that john oliver video and yeah i was checking in with chuck who's at the office and you're like wait a minute you're all you're talking to our coworkers, and you're sharing ideas and concepts and you know like what if we embraced that rather than tried to stop that so I, so i think this was this was maybe admittedly a big issue and, and one harder but it's it's valuable to write all the effects what you see what you like feel what people think and they feel and then to have the causes so when you design a solution you're actually fixing the problem so if people are unmotivated this happens all the time people are unmotivated at work and they give them more money and they are still unmotivated you know so that is a lack of creativity and a lack of understanding if someone goes you're you're not doing your work you're on facebook all day you know what I'm going to give you a little bit of a bonus. You're going to work harder. They still want, they still feel alone in their desk. They want to reach out to people. They want to share ideas. They want to know what's going on in the world. So they're going to continue to go on Facebook, no matter what, if that is the cause. So that's kind of that. So we really break down those sort of things. And what we would have done here is probably break down each individual one. So that means in, let's say, the trunk of the tree, it would be people on Facebook. And then the effects are they're on Facebook at this time. And here's what they say. Here's what we see them do. You know, and, and here's, so even they were chatting with Chuck, who's in the office, and they were checking the news and all these things. So then we say, what are the causes? The causes are, you know, what if even we put a TV with CNN on it, you know, or that would be a solution. So the cause would be, you know, they want to keep up to date. Uh, with current news or, or March Madness is on and they want to watch the games or all these different, you know, they want to feel like they're part of the outside world. They f- want to feel like they're not missing something. They want to feel part of a community. Right. So all of a sudden, instead of saying, get off Facebook, you know, you're going to get in trouble or we're going to block it. That's, you know, we're going to block social media or you're going to get paid more. We have an understanding of the actual root cause of the problem you know they want to be part of a community great we design something that is internal they want to you know keep up to date with the world great we'll have you know all these different you know cnn or or whatever and these are the first ideas but but yeah that's what we would do in terms of each individual thing so really trying to find the root cause of the problem and again so to do this well and better than anyone else simply one of the biggest factors in that might just be time so all we're doing is putting it in a neat little system where there is a trunk and there are branches and those are the effects and then for every effect you write a cause and then almost always what happens is you see the causes pop up you know they're doing that for this reason and that reason is repeated again that reason is repeated again and you have a really clear understanding of why people do certain things or what is causing those certain things okay understood and and so you keep asking the questions the extra whys get to the the root of things and and so what's this lotus tool about so lotus blossom then is a brainstorming tool so lotus blossom is kind of let's say a mind map so what you do is you take certain aspects of it and then you brainstorm around it so a lot of times i say you know in creativity you want to come up with an idea no one else has thought of before so that means you either have to 
ask a question that no one else has thought of before or go to a place that no one's thought of before or get so small and think you know, deeply about something that people just take for granted. So let's say we are designing a new playground. There's a lot of aspects to that, right? So we want to design a new playground. Here is what Brad brainstorming would look like or something. If your boss says, hey, design a new playground and you just go, um, all right, um, how about better swings? Um, oh gosh. And so what you would do in Lotus Blossom is that you have each subset and you try to do what we try to do is eight ideas for each one. So let's say, you know, playground, a subset would be, let's say users. We're going to design it around users. So playground has children. It's got teachers. It's got parents. It's got concerts. So we would try to get to eight you know, so that interact with the playground. So even city council members, you know, let's say at night, you know, teenagers hate hang out on there because there's nowhere else to go. So we would force ourselves to get to eight. And then we would start thinking, I'll say, so parents, and we can start thinking about solutions now or even kind of dive deep into the problem. Let's start thinking about solutions because that seems more fun. So parents like they're there and they maybe would want Wi-Fi. So what if there was Wi-Fi at playgrounds? They want to make sure their, their kids are safe. So what if there was, I don't know, something, and we can get kind of crazy with this. A lot of times in brainstorming, you diverge. So you come up with as many solutions, or I'm sorry, as yeah, solutions, as many ideas and solutions as possible. You diverge and then you converge, and then you kind of start narrowing them down. So at this point, we're not editing our ideas. So we're coming up with eight ideas for parents in playgrounds. So there's Wi-Fi, maybe there's, you know, there's people there whose main job it is to watch kids, make sure they are safe and don't get in fights. Maybe there's video cameras, and then you are, have a playground app. So you are, you know, talking with parents, but your phone is up, and you can see where your kid is, because there's, you know, kind of like security cameras. Maybe there's a workout machine, you know, what's a playground for adults? You know, maybe adults can be like on an elliptical while watching their kids in a playground, and all these different things. So those are those are kind of, there's some cool ideas. And I think those literally came because we were focusing on one part of it, right? So when someone designs a playground, so then what we would do is we do that for every single person. So what does a city council person want, right? And even these users that we kind of had trouble coming up with, they want it to be safe. They want no weirdos. They want, you know, parents to, they want it to be clean. Taxes. And taxes, yeah. And they want to, how about promote, you know, <laughs> promote themselves? Yeah, taxes. What if there was something to donate and say, keep playgrounds in this city everywhere? So so all of a sudden, we're thinking about all these, and then we can combine ideas, right? So, And we can say, okay, well, what is something that we think parents would really, really enjoy? They would enjoy this. What is something that they would enjoy? So we start mapping these things, and again, we see trends. So that's a lot of these frameworks works is we force our brains to think in a different way. So we force our brains to come up with that ideas and to focus on the tiny things that we don't focus on. So we focus on the tiny things. Hey, every time before you brainstorm, here are three things you should do. One, something physical. Two, something mental. And three, take two deep breaths. So you have the option to stretch or jump up and down or do jumping jacks. That's physical. Second, mental. You are going to repeat an affirmation of creativity takes time. Creativity takes time, you know, like, or trust in the subconscious or there's going to be a dip, be ready for the dip, push past the dip, push past those first few ideas, you know, so that's something. And then the third would be what did I say breath. So all of a sudden, you know, we created this tool that I would say, you know, students and listeners of this podcast every single time. What if you did those three things? I guarantee you those are in for a fact rooted in science and creativity research. That is a system seems intuitive. And it seems like it, it you know, it's just like, oh, you're just telling me to stretch. And but if you did that every single time, I mean, that you're going to have better ideas. You're going to feel better about things. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. And I love those very precise, actionable things that, that you can do. 
That's good. We're in our final moments here, which means we're going to shift gears into fast faves. I'm going to ask you some real quick questions, and your responses will be about a minute or less uh, with regard to the answers. And we'll sort of learn all kinds of wise things that you've discovered in your journeys of comedy, creativity, and more. First up, can you share with us a favorite quote, something that inspires you again and again, or, or just makes you laugh and, and see the wisdom of goodness? I was thinking about this. I think a quote I'm thinking a lot about now is, there's two. One is, is I think Bob Goff said it. He's this brilliant author. He wrote a great book called Love Does. And he said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success at the wrong thing. Right on. And how about a favorite book? And one of the most powerful moments in teaching was I saw this student and he said, oh my gosh, Esteban, how are you? How are you doing? We were talking. He goes, your, your class changed my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I was, felt good. You know, I patted myself on the back. I said, what was your favorite part of class? And he goes, oh, you re- recommended this book and that book changed my life. And he said, honestly, I don't remember much of the class, <laughs> uh, which is a nice humbling moment. Then the book is War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. So it's about, you know, and I said creativity, there's these two sides is this loose side loosey goosey you know let's see what happens uh let's allow ourselves to kind of you know play in this and, and spend time in it and this this book is very much on the belief that creativity is a habit and it is a kick in the butt you know it says you know you should be creating these things and, and, and here's how you do that and don't be scared and i know you're scared but don't be scared and it says great things like use fear as a compass like if you've got an idea and you are scared to start it that means that's the idea that you should be doing all these different things and how about favorite website i really like brainpickings.org it's some beautiful kind of long form reflections on creativity a lot of creative historical figures a lot of great book reviews i've been trying to like fight back against clickbait and kind of these short form stories and listicles and brainpickings.org kind of offers that sort of long form kind of almost journalism and long in terms of of the creative space brainpickings.org and a favorite habit sort of a a game-changing personal practice that you employ I think trying to breathe before making any decisions <laughs> uh, and kind of talks about that and the importance of that. So I think before I, I mean, yeah, anything, even even say maybe in a heated conversation or or if I'm feeling upset or, or all these different things. I think just, I think, man, I think that there's, there's a big power in just taking a breath before. And how about any favorite tools, any gadgets, software, hardware? things you use again and again. There's a great app called Pocket and you can save articles and read them later. And I travel a lot on airplanes and, and things like that. And and I love to catch up on articles because sometimes my days are so busy I don't get to read too much. So Pocket is a great app. That is the app I probably use the most, actually. And can you tell me about a favorite time-saving trick or tactic that you use to get so much done? And I think the trick is just start before you're ready. I didn't know anything about e-commerce. You know, I just said, you know, let me start. It's a super small, scalable business. You know, it cost me $100 to start and all these different things. So I just started before I was ready and learned while I was doing it. And I learned, I created the first one, had a good experience, made a little bit of money, and I created the second one. It went better. It was more successful. It made more money. And it was all just me starting. So I think that's another thing, especially when it's these kind of smaller stakes. I think it's like, how do I get so much done? I don't like, I just do it. And and I know it's not perfect. And I just kind of trust that. Yeah, that things will figure themselves out. And especially if it's kind of a low risk venture like that. And uh, and tell me about a, a favorite truth bomb. Uh, something that when you communicate, people really start taking notes or they retweet it or in the books, it gets the, the Kindle highlights left and right. Oh, oh, baby. In my personal experience, I think there's a lot of value to silliness and play and kind of this light uh, mood and way of operating. I think it's easier to come up with ideas. 
easier to, you know, like those people in the office that others love to be around usually are the ones who kind of have a really positive output and, you know, like making things fun and like kind of, kind of I just, I, just being silly. If I were to write a book on this moment, I think, uh, you know, being funny and, and kind of going through life, trying to poke fun at what's happening. And I'm like, maybe that's the secret, you know, maybe the productivity or, or any sort of moderate amount of achievement comes from being light you know, the, the lightness of being. And, and so as, as we wrap up, can you tell me what would be your, your favorite way to be found? Uh, email, Twitter, website? What should we do? You can go to my website, estebangast.com. I'm sure that that's linked below. And then there you can see, uh, yeah, there you can find all my social media and my web and my email. Maybe check out a few of, I gave a, a TEDx talk, which, which kind of tells a little bit about my life philosophy and kind of where I want to go, the next step of my career and all, and all this different thing. So yeah, so so I would say that, that just is, is kind of the, my little online corner of the internet. Yeah, and I'd love for anyone to reach out in, in, in anything, even more info on the book or, or on the class. We're actually creating an online version of the course. And the first iteration of it is only for University of Illinois students, but then it'll be open to everyone. So if you, if you thought anything was useful, yeah, in the near future, you know, reach out and, and um, I'm sure I'll do an email blast or something for that course. And, and yeah, and it'll be free probably up on Coursera or something. Uh, University of Illinois has a contract with Coursera. But yeah, it'll, it'll be this opportunity to, to maybe really think about creativity in a different way. And a favorite challenge or a final call to action? Like if there's, if there's one specific action that you think folks listening could benefit most from tackling what would it be? Start developing that habit of you wake up and, and you create something. Yeah, have this act of creation, this act of creativity. I think that can make really big differences in your day. Thank you so much, Esteban. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, these are some beautiful creativity nuggets. I look forward to putting some in practice myself. Thanks so much for being here and have an awesome rest of the day. This was a ton of fun. Thank you. Okay, well, I hope you found that helpful in terms of giving your creativity a boost. And you might be doing some, some crazy breathing or jumping around or characters or whatnot next time you need to spark some ideas. Maybe try to get some privacy from your coworkers before you do that. So again, if you want to check out some of the goods, that's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep. That's the letters EP and then the number eight for the transcript and those goodies. And I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.